The following introduction to this podcast on ChatGPT was written on ChatGPT, of course. Welcome to the latest episode of EdTech Innovators, where we explore the cutting-edge technologies and solutions that are shaping the future of education. Today, we're joined by an all-star lineup of experts in the field of educational technology, including Ross Morrison-McGill, Glendalee's Almonte Martinez, Ian Stewart, Pete Quinn, Dan Fitzpatrick, Dustin Miller, Graham Coth, Paul Rose, and Tim Burnett. We're going to dive into a topic that is rapidly gaining popularity in the EdTech world, ChatGPT. This powerful technology has the potential to revolutionize the way we learn and communicate, and our guests will provide their insights and perspectives on the impact it could have on education. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn about ChatGPT and its potential to be the next big thing in EdTech. I then asked it to add the word sausage randomly. I'll tell you about that later. Enjoy. Hi, Pete. It's Ross here. I hope you're well. Um, I use a little widget like this, uh, and I've set it to a three-minute limit, so I don't know how long I've got uh, on this recording, but I'll I'll keep going. Um, I've written a blog. I don't know if you've read it. It's The Future of Education. Um, and I published it on the 1st of January. Um, so my thoughts with chat GPT in particular. So um, I've been using artificial intelligence um, for about 15 years now, actually. So through voice dictation, uh, using the uh, application Dragon Dictate. So AI has been around us for many, many years already. I suppose, you know, the dialogue often defaults to will students cheat? Well, I suppose I could have written lots of coursework assignments, just like I've written my blogs and books through voice dictation. Um, I guess the critical thing to distinguish is that the content is learning from my voice, not necessarily generating new content. I think this is where a kind of new ethical realm exists for us all that's not yet known. Uh, And I guess that question, what does the future hold for us? Uh, in terms of education, coursework, exams, assessment, etc. Um, if I think about, you know, the key goal of teaching, yes, to nurture and develop rounded children, but to develop knowledge, you know, that effect of a permanent change and help students transfer information. Well, I guess critically, if students know how to use the platform, they already have some knowledge. As we've all been seeing and experimenting with the chat GPT feature, which now I think is paid, actually. Um, lots of people that were playing around with it were churning out lots of examples where it wasn't so accurate. And this is where our knowledge kicks in. So as a student or as an educator, the ability to read what is then produced to then respond to it or refine our original inquiry requires some knowledge. So, of course, when we talk about students cheating, that type of stuff, yes, there's courseworks and assignments. They'll always exist. But there's always that space where we sit students in a hall without any technology and they need to write and respond to an exam paper. I think that will always be the case, um, at least for another generation. Um, I suppose the question is with coursework and assignments where students are submitting information uh, that might not be entirely theirs. Again, you'll always want one or two that will play the game, one or two hopefully that will... I dare say the majority will read, proofread, edit, and build upon. So 
not a lot of people are familiar with um, chat GPT. I call it the kind of big brother, I suppose. So if you go to openai.com and pl play around with their playground software. Uh, so I've been using this for a couple of years now since I discovered it through my academic channels where I discovered lots of supervisors and academics were critiquing students that were already submitting even doctoral papers that were generated through uh, artificial intelligence. Uh, and this kind of software is a lot more sophisticated. So not only do you just type in a question in chat GPT and it responds and you can refine the question and reply, but this one allows you to play around with different kind of AI codes, change the kind of frequency, uh, something they call the temperature, which is, I guess, the, the randomness of the results. Um, there's there's all sorts of things in there, so it's worth taking a look if people are really interested. Uh, and I've been playing around with that just to kind of see uh, its benefits for workload, creating content, and also considering the ethics that will, at some point, reach us all as families, educators, examiners, etc. So um, I'm assuming people listening to this podcast will have some understanding about uh, you know the the feature, you know this natural language processing, this machine learning. Um, it's nothing new. It's been around for quite some time. I guess it's just now reaching the masses. Um, so I'm not quite sure what else you can use specifically. So I'm sure you're going to kind of clip this and use it in some shape or form. But there's plenty more stuff in my blog post. So teachertoolkit.co.uk forward slash artificial intelligence with a hyphen in between artificial and intelligence. And you see my blog in greater detail. And you might want me to say one or two things uh, so just let us know and I can ping over another voice recording for you to clip into a podcast. Um, you know, it's got potential to transform how all of us work. I guess the challenge for society is knowing the AI risks and how it might support our four or 16-year-olds developing knowledge as part of their development towards exams and contributions to the wider world of work and how we live. Um, but it's not going to go away. And uh, I think we need to embrace it, deal with it. And as ever, behind the scenes, we've got this kind of online harms stuff to consider in our, our kind of new online safety bill uh, about how we use social media and online tools. And as often, the technology is going so fast that policy, rules, legislation is often slow and catching up after. And I guess more was reminded by the brilliant work by Dr. Mary Aiken, who wrote a great book called the cyber effect that we often seem to celebrate and be consumed by all the positives of everything online and we know that there are downsides and risks but we tend to ignore them or deal with them much later so you know we're all using social media but at the same time we might profit but there are many people who don't you know the grooming and all those kind of dark sides of the the online web anyway Hi, Pete. Uh, I was just introduced to ChatGPT about three to four weeks ago, and I think it's a really interesting tool. Not only do I think it's interesting, I think it's a disruptive tool. When we talked on the podcast, we talked about technologies that we didn't know um, existed yet or jobs that hadn't existed yet for, for the children of today, like my son, Howard. And one of the things that I find interesting uh, chat GBT not being able to be used in certain uh, environments. And I, I think we might be looking at this from a from 
a skewed perspective. The way that education is currently administered to our kids, it's it's been the same for, well, since we started schooling children, right? At least in the United States. Uh, in my opinion, an equity tool. Now, do I think that there are things on there that can cause some issues in the way that kids are, are learning? For sure. Um, but I think that we need to be smart about it. For example, our goal is to get students to read. We want to teach kids to read. A kid can't use ChatGPT unless they know how to read. But how we teach reading, um, how we teach the writing process. Thanks, Pete, for letting me contribute to your podcast and your discussion. My name's Tim Burnett, and I'm an EdTech marketing consultant. I'm an assessment community champion, and I'm a board member for the eAssessment Association. So I'm kind of quite quite clearly grounded in the assessment space. Um, but my day job is marketing. And, you know, I'm actually really quite excited by ChatGPT. I, I think... When when it comes to things like my actual marketing job, it has absolutely huge benefits. The the product time saving, the performance time saving activities, the content authoring, research side of things, it's going to really change that. And I think you know, there's always that kind of worry that AI will replace people. And there's a new saying going around that's you know AI won't replace people; it'll be the prefer- person who's using AI that will replace you. So I think we all have to really embrace these kind of technologies obviously you know be very mindful of them and be very critical about them but you know, you really do have to embrace these technologies um i'm i'm in, currently in the process of planning the assessment association uh, annual conference which is going to take place in june and um i'm one thing i'm really excited about is the fact that we're not going to be talking about remote proctoring as much that was the kind of big thing that was the the thing that had changed the assessment space when the pandemic hit in 2020 you know this is huge shift but now we've got something else to talk about um which yeah i'll come into this in a little bit more in a second but yeah it, it has huge potential to disrupt assessment but i actually think that's a good thing i think assessment needs a bit of a, a shake-up so it's it is going to change a lot about how we work and from a marketing perspective and yeah, the, kind of my day job i suppose you know, we're going to see some changes as to how people go about their searching, how about they go about finding information. Um, Google have obviously been quite slow to release the Sparrow, their kind of counter, but um, I think this is mainly because they just don't really quite know how to make any money from it. There's a lot of agencies and organizations which depend on that uh, that, that that process, the kind of uh, ads process, and um, I just don't think Google have quite got in place really that economic plan. Prompt base and things like that have all kind of popped up. These whole new economies, but the idea of people selling the prompts themselves to create content or prompt templates—I've seen all sorts of things around that. And um, I think if you look at solutions like Product Hunt, um, if you if you ever follow that, it's a, a brilliant website. But listed on there daily are uh, endless new solutions, side hustles, or products that organisations have published. And the shift really in the fact that the vast majority of them. Are now AI based, a lot of them chat GBT related. But yeah, the, the, if if you look down the timeline of the the shift from just interesting uh, applications to support your day to day through to everything being AI generated, it's been incredible. I think also for the uh, kind of productivity based activities for things like teachers, 
um, as well as the students as well, um, as huge, huge potential. I'm just about to start teaching um, my first. I, I, I trained as a teacher back in 2000, but I'm going to start going back into the classroom for the first time next week uh, to teach a, a group of apprenticeships um, uh, marketing. And someone pointed me in the direction of a platform called Copilot, which uses um, ChatGPT and its ability to create lesson plans and uh, learning resources and, and questions to ask, and ask the kids and you know, information and handouts and all sorts of information just within seconds. Um, it could save teachers a huge amount of work. Now, the assessment industry is obviously seriously concerned about this. There's a lot of people that are even going to the point where they're banning it in schools from you know the students and teachers, um, and they're even taking some examinations back to pen and paper um, to and back into the kind of exam hall to to counter this uh, threat. But I, I really, I, we can't turn back the time on this. You have to get on board the fact that AI is going to be around. It's going to be in our pockets. It's going to be in our heads soon. It's you know, th there's just no way that you're going to be able to switch off. Uh, this. So what we really need to do is just start to rethink how we approach assessment. And I think if you're really that concerned about your assessment program and ChatGPT, then I, I think there's some big questions that you need to ask about how you're um, how you're delivering it. And then there was an article the other day, uh, I think it was FE News, um, about, sorry if I get this wrong, but there was this lady talking about uh, its ability to almost level the playing field for some students. You know, the fact that, you know, if assessment has to rethink, if we have to move away from people writing essays about bricklaying and things like that, you know, it's it's only going to really help level out the playing field a little bit and make it so that I've always been at a little bit of a kind of um, uh, opposition to use of uh, a lot of academic, um, over-academic approaches that, you know, really do separate out and... Uh, polarize the, I suppose, the education space. But I, I just think it's going to help level things out a little bit. And I think it's got a huge potential for that. Um, and again, things like personalization of learning and assessment, I think this is all so exciting. So I know there's been people that have been quick to dismiss it, been quite concerned about it, particularly in the assessment, assessment space. You know, people have been quite dis quick to dismiss the use of tools to develop uh, content itself the actual questions and um i suppose fine-tune the content but i i think we need to just really embrace this and have some serious conversations about the good sides as well as the bad sides um we can't just turn back the clock this has happened this isn't going to happen this has happened uh so let's yeah figure it out as a community um so thank you thank you for me for uh let me share my my thoughts and um uh, good luck with the podcast All right, I'm Dustin Miller, Poly Innovator, and I'm just talking quickly about ChatGPT, the AI chatbot. Now, I do think that this tool has a lot of potential that most people don't see, and I think that has to do with the fact that most of us don't know how to do the right prompts yet. I actually kind of avoided it for a while. I had known about ChatGPT3 and thought this was the same thing, and then once someone convinced me to try it out, I realized it is something different. It's like 3.5, if you will, anyways. And we're getting close to the 4.0 release as well. 
the interesting thing is when you ask it a question, for the most part, it's going to give you a very astute answer. And maybe if it doesn't, you just change your question just ever so slightly and it'll actually understand what you're saying. I've rarely had any issue where I've had to rephrase. Usually when it comes to the rephrasing or changing a prompt, that's actually down a ways. So I haven't made a super long continuous conversation, but decently long ones with various different factors involved with the whole question, multiple questions over the course of time. And usually I have to rephrase once I get to the point of like halfway down. Rarely do I have to rephrase at the beginning. ChatGPT really comes down to the fact if you can make the right prompts, you can get the right answers. And you can use those answers to actually flesh out a lot of your ideas. So I decided to work on a video game because of how well it fleshed out my answers on my particular questions. I have also asked it to generate a decent amount of codes for me as well. And what's really interesting is that I was really curious about these various JavaScript frameworks that were pretty niche, Koa.js, HyperApp.js, that most people don't really even know about, let alone how, know how to use. And since I'm not super well versed in JavaScript, I didn't know quickly how I could learn them. So I asked ChatGPT to come up with a coding base like a, for a CMS, for example, using Node, Koa, and HyperApp. And it combined those three together in a unique way. And I thought that was very fascinating. So even though I have limited coding knowledge, I was still able to do something with those coding languages through ChatGPT. Same thing goes for the game I was developing as well. I still am, where I was able to ask it to generate code for a script in the game for a specific feature. And for the most part, it did it pretty well. I think there's sometimes you usually have some issues where it's like trying to understand a certain word. And so it's generating a code for a certain way of doing things when you need it a different way. But literally all you have to do is prompt it, hey, I need this change and it'll give you the right code afterwards. So usually after a prompt or two, it'll get things right. Other than that, I don't really have much else to add except for the fact that prompts are key. How well you structure your prompts are great, but how you continue the conversation is even more important. Hi, Peter. Thanks for the opportunity of letting me contribute to your podcast on ChatGBT. A um, few things spring to mind. I, I sense there's a little bit of a moral panic in some quarters about it. Um, I think there's a positive that it may push um, some educational institutions from um, a very rigid assessment structure. But on the other hand, um, they may go to an even more rigid assessment structure, whereas I think there'd be so many benefits um, in diversifying assessment and uh, maybe chat uh, GPT will be uh, a catalyst for that. I think as with in all um, huge data machine learning systems, there's the concern about the bias of the underlying data. And uh, my understanding from it is that... Um, it's one of these product or um, services that actually doesn't give you a sense of where the sources have come from. So it generates information, um, quite quite sophisticated um, information, but it doesn't really give you a source of where that information has come from. So if you spot some errors with it, you can't map those errors back to the source of them. Um, I, I think um, the other thing that's not discussed enough about it really is that it can provide a, a wonderfully astute answer uh, on the face of it and and um, you know 
kind of looks good, sounds good. But without the facts that you need in your underlying knowledge, um, it, it's going to be kind of a bit unhelpful and not particularly useful. Um, facts help us to ask better questions and produces better dialogue. And I think um, probably most people would agree that that we need to be um, skilled in dialogue in um, in our day and age that we're in now. Um, and when skill sets that we need are to do with problem solving, creativity, empathy and leadership is the um, generation of material through chat GBT and other packages particularly helpful. I uh, will just finish on um, a wonderful book that I picked up many years ago um, called This Will Make You Smarter. Um, and it's edited by John Brockman. And there's a there's a wonderful section in there from a physicist who was thinking about curriculum. Um, and he was suggesting that the curriculum should shift from one watered down by consensus and lobbying to skills that our century needs for promoting relationships, health, contraception, time management and critical thinking and recognizing propaganda. And I'm not sure that chat GPT will will help with any of those. So his recommendations are that we learn a language, um, that typing should trump long division and writing cursive. And that's a, um, a physicist by the name of Max Tegmark, who I would recommend that you have a look at his work um, on this, even though this book was published quite some time ago. So hopefully some of that is helpful for you and happy to speak more at length around that. But um, thanks again for the opportunity to contribute to this discussion. Hello, everyone. My name is Dan Fitzpatrick. I am Strategic Lead for Digital Skills at Education Partnership Northeast. I'm a former senior leader of a UK secondary school. I am the founder of thirdbox.org and I co-host the EduFuturist podcast. McKinsey and company said, I think it was about three years ago now, that we'll experience more technological progress in the coming decade than we did in the preceding 100 years put together. Now, that's quite a statement, especially if you think the last 100 years worth of technological progress are the are the most advanced stages in in human history. We put humans on the moon, the, the internet was invented, and the iterations of the internet of where we see it today. Are we really going to see more progress in technology in the next 10 years? Now, I, I kind of start with that whenever I'm giving presentations because it has that kind of impact. It has the wow moment of, wow, is this really going to happen? And I don't think I really believed that it was going to happen until I came across ChatGPT and some of the new AI tools that are coming out. And if you've played with them, you will know if you're using it in your practice, you will you will be experiencing on a day-to-day basis how powerful this technology is. And we're, we're, we're moving into living in that future, that AI future. Um, but I think it's going to be a positive thing. I don't think it's going to be a negative thing. I think there's going to be a lot of positive impact for where we are going. And the education system needs to respond in it. And it is responding to some level. But we need to get to grips with how technology is going to keep disrupting the education system. And we have to rethink, I think, where where we're going to go. Now, I, I often reference um, the, the three-box solution to innovation. It's a, it's a great framework for looking at innovation. You've got box one, 
is where a company or an organization that's where their performance engine is it's it's their current day-to-day business it's what they what they're good at and what works for them box three is is looking at weak signals what's coming in terms of technology what's coming down the line that we might have to get to grips with and box two is simply what do we give up from box one in order to get to box three now i think the education system especially in the uk is very good at box one at optimizing the current system of getting very good at how to how to run the, the within the parameters and how to how to work within the parameters that we've got as an education system i don't necessarily think we're we're great at the box three thinking uh, what what's going to happen and i think because of that 99.9 percent of us missed that this technology was coming that chat gpt and other ai tools like it were coming and we didn't realize the impact it was going to have. And to be fair, not many people did. But it's here now. And we're going to have to start rethinking, whether that be how we rethink assessment, whether that be how we rethink how students work, because they're going to have access to this technology. We we need to start those conversations now, I think. So um, it, it, what is this chat GPT? It's an artificial intelligence system that can understand and respond to human language. And it simulates natural human conversations. And the app is capable of answering questions on a wide range of topics from history, science to maths. And that's because it was trained with approximately 300 billion words from various texts, including books, Wikipedia, research articles, websites, and so on. And because it was trained on this, on these words, these 300 billion words to simulate human conversation, almost as a side product of that, almost as a side effect, it's got this huge knowledge base. Not only that, it can synthesize what it knows. It can it can take it and it can work out the probability of something being a correct answer or a wrong answer. And I think that's what gives this 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 power to this AI and also the fact it can then communicate it like a human would. And I think that's it's what people are finding a bit scary, but I think actually this this the potential for this is huge. So it's and it's it's not just education. It's we look at the different areas of business and industry. It it, it can disrupt um, marketing content. Um, I do some work um, on marketing as well, and and the the power that's got to create that type of of content, uh, customer service, analyzing and summarizing data, um, screening resumes and recruitment, onboarding new employees translation a lot of a lot of teachers i've spoke to in the last few weeks are saying that some of the results are, are better than google translate it generate business documents just based on on a few prompts it can personalize education and training and it can come up with business intelligence and recommendations for taking action and these are just a few of the the early use cases we're seeing coming from this new technology so Rest assured, education is not going to be the only kind of sector or industry that is going to be disrupted by this technology. What excites me and what gives me passion is that this technology in in our current system can help really streamline the workload of teachers, and and God knows we know that we we need that. Um, their teachers are are under a lot of pressure and a lot of strain, and it means that they take work home on an evening and on a weekend, and essentially working for free not being with their friends and family and that's it's a real passion of mine to try and try and look at that and try and sort that out and i think that this technology offers a solution or at least part of a solution so the three things that that kind of take up that time are writing feedback and marking creating content and planning lessons and a study in 2019 said that in the uk teachers spend just as much 
time doing those three things as they do in front of students teaching. So that must mean, and, and, and you'll know this if you're a teacher, and, and I know this personally as well, that must mean that we're taking work home where after dinner, after we put the kids to bed, we're getting the laptop out and working on a on a weekend, we are, we're working. I remember I used to always dedicate Sunday to work. I'd have my day off with my family on a Saturday and I'd work on a Sunday. I wasn't getting paid for it, but I, I needed I needed it. If I was going to be the best in front of my students and give them the best best learning experience throughout that week, I needed to spend a bit more time. And, and I'm really passionate about helping teachers claim that time back. And I think ChatGPT has that potential to do that has the potential to and i've been looking at this on my twitter account it has the potential to mark exams it has the potential to give feedback has the potential to plan lessons do admin tasks come up with questions do things like model answers for us how-to guides so much more and i've even been been playing with if you look at my twitter account i've even been playing with how can chat gpt come up with come up with the words to put in a, an art an artificially intelligent um, animation as well and so you, you're bringing it to life within a, an animation and these are just again some of the very early use cases for education and how it's going to help us and and when I say this I'm not saying it as clickbait or a fancy a fancy headline for this technology but it literally literally does take three four five hours work and allow you to complete that within five, 10, 15 minutes. And, and even as I say that, I think it sounds almost too good to be true, but I, I've been doing a lot of demonstrations and webinars on this over the last few weeks. And, and I tell people this and you can see that they're all thinking, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, let's, let's have a look at it then. And when, when they do, they see that something that would have take, taken them an hour to, to do on an evening, um, is taken five minutes and can be done before they leave work. And so they're not having to get that laptop out when they get, into back home after when they should be spending time and should be resting so please do have a play with it please see what it what it can do for you and and look at guides i've got um some guides on my own website at thirdbox.org and, and i'm creating more and more and also i'm on my linkedin and twitter just to give you some examples of what this can do and of course i think the the benefits far outweigh any limitations but there are limitations as there are with new technology so just just be conscious with things like data protection. Uh, it's technically not GDPR compliant, so you're probably going to want to use your personal personal accounts to access this. Um, obviously, that's going to change. They're, the OpenAI has been valued at a $29 billion company, and they could be one of the biggest companies in the world in the next few years. So that, that compliance issue with data will, will have to be rectified, and I'm sure they will do that fairly soon. Also, um, your questioning skills decide how good the answer is. And I've done a lot of work on how to prompt this AI machine in the right way to get get specific results and get the types of results that you want. And lots of people kind of have a moan when they first try it because you think you ask it a question and you think, oh, well, the results are all right, but I don't get the hype. I don't get what everyone's going on about. And the chances are you've probably asked it a five five word question. But people, there's people out there who who are really and i call this prepping the machine um and 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 prepping prepping what you want to answer what you want to ask it and that that prep um kind of stands for prompt role 
explicit and parameters. So really prep the machine when you're asking a question. So prompt it, give it a cue. What do you want it to do? Most people will stop there and ask it that question, but actually give it a role. If you're asking it to 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 come up with some writing, let's say for a history lesson, you might want to say, right, I would I would like you to answer this as a history professor, as a renowned history professor, give it a voice so that it it can play that role and it can use the information that it that it needs to to play that role. Be explicit. So everything you wanted to do, you, you're going to have to ask it. Obviously, this this can't read your mind. And and set parameters. If you want it to have a word limit, I'll give it a word limit. If you want it to write um, at a certain reading age level, do that. If you want it to provide short sentences that are readable um, for, for a student, do that. If you want to ask it to put it in a certain format. So you, really prep the machine when when you're asking questions to get the most out of it so remember prep prompt rule explicit and parameters and when you get into that realm of quest questioning you really start to see what how impressive this is and the results that it can give you and don't be afraid to go back and forth with this this it's, it's a chat machine so you can have a dialogue with it as well i think what are the implications for education i think our education system has been obsessed with students remembering things for a long time. And I think maybe, and I put this out as a question more than anything, do we have to start looking at how students, the skill of students to be able to ask good questions? Because this technology is going to be embedded uh, when they go to work after they leave school in in their education. It's going to be embedded in their home life. Imagine when this technology is integrated with something like an Alexa or a Google Home, what, what it's going to be able to do. So we're going to really have to get good at questioning skills. And are we doing that already with students? My guess is, and and from experience, that we're not doing that as well. And as teachers, I think we're probably in a really good position to teach questioning skills because that's partly our job and we're good at it. We're good at, we're good at asking precise questions. We're good at modeling the type of answer we want to see. And if we can pass that on to our students and, and the art of the question really becomes part of our curriculum, then I think we're going to stand them in good stead for dealing with this technology. I've been thinking about a framework around this because I think I do think there's going to be a transformation. I think how do we teach with this type of technology? And I think it has to start with curiosity. We have to, if we're going to put this in the hands of our students, and I think that's where the most transformation is going to come from, we have to start with curiosity. We're going to have to teach them the art of the question, like I've said, how to have a discourse. I think I think in our world, that skill of how to have a uh, an adult, uh, a mature discourse is is something of a dying art, how to listen to a point of view and and question it and, and have that back and forth. We're going to need to do that if they're going to get the most out of this technology. Also, critical thinking, when it, when this technology gives us an output, what do we do with it? What do we what do we think about it? Are we going to just use it? Are we going to question it? And I think we really need to focus on the critical skills, uh, critical thinking skills. And we've known that for a while. the The World Economic Economic Forum have said over multiple years now that this is a key skill that we need to be teaching in schools. Are we doing it correctly? Probably not. I think we probably need to get more serious about that. And then obviously the application of this new understanding. What do we do with this new understanding, this new learning that has taken place once we've interacted with something like this? Wayne Gretzky, the famous ice hockey player, said, I skate to where the puck is going to be, not where it has been. And I think as an education system, um, we have to we have to do that. We have to look at where 
where the advancements are going to come from now. I don't think it's going to be good enough to stick our heads in the stand in the sand. We're going to start getting technology like this with wow moments more regularly. Going back to that original quote, the next 10 years is going to be more advanced than the last 100 years. We're, we're going to get these moments again. We're going to have to play with new technology and integrate it in new ways. And we're really going to have to be in box three. We're going to have to be looking for those signals coming down the line and be prepared for it. I think our students, our schools are going to have to almost have innovation um innovation teams or, or innovate cultures of innovation within them to to really analyze what's coming down the line make use of it um sift through what's good what's not good and and really go on a journey of transformation so i'm excited about this technology as you can probably tell i think it has the the real the real power to transform education i think in the teacher's hand it will it's going to transform their lives in the short term in the students hands i think it's going to transform education in the long term because essentially you're going to give them something that can teach them that can improve their progress that can be a counselor to them that can be a lot of things for them and what will that do well it's not going to replace the teacher but it will replace teachers who can't use ai i think and what it'll do for the teacher is it'll help them to focus on the more human side of education not the mundane not the things that the machine can do, but actually focus on the more the more human side of who we are, about forming individuals, about um, developing those critical thinking skills, about developing the, the, the skills of, of life. And I think that's the potential for that is exciting. And I think I think I, for one, um, want to live in a world where the education system is transformed in that way. And, and I think our students and our world will benefit from that more. So... Although I'm talking about a tech tool, um, I think we're talking about something much bigger here. Something that, that is going to force us, is going to guide us, is going to help us into true transformation. So the future is exciting, but not just the future. We can start learning from this technology and it can start having an impact now. So thanks very much. Well, clearly, it's an incredibly powerful technological development and one that's gonna have a very significant impact on education. For me though, speaking as a former teacher and school leader, and now in my role as an EdTech founder, I know with absolute certainty that technology can and will transform education the way that we all know education needs transforming. The multi-billion dollar question, of course, is, is chat GPT that technology? Does it have the ability to transform education? And for me, the simple answer to that question is no, it doesn't. And the reason for that is that AI, whether it's chat, GPT, or anything that comes after it, is simply the latest in a long line of very powerful technology developments designed for the outside world. You can take them and you can bring them into education and you can use them to solve some of the challenges that we face some of the time. But what we can't expect it to do is to solve all of the challenges and transform everybody's educational experience. Now, for what it's worth, I truly believe that the technological solution to the challenges of education will come from within education, not without. And that when that technological solution emerges, a very interesting thing will happen. That actually the technology that education creates for itself will migrate out of education and transform the wider world 
for the better. Hello everyone, it's Graham Cafe from A Better Way of Life, social media marketing. I've been asked by Pete, who I've done some podcasts with in the past, to say something on this new chat, GPT. Um, my feeling with all of these things, AI, is we keep looking at AI in the wrong sectors, really. Um, my view is that AI needs to be looking to help people who are already productive to be more productive and help those people who are already creative to be more creative. So I feel that AI is great where it can, uh, you know, cut the grunt work out of something. I feel AI is great if you can use it to maybe stimulate an idea but why aren't we having the ideas in the first place is what i would want to know um have we become a a world where even our creatives are looking to ai to to start the conversation or to start the the dialogue because if that's the case then that's a little worrying um we've never needed it before um just out of personal experience I wake up every day full of ideas. In fact, I go to sleep at night and I have to wake up and write things down because I have ideas. I don't need AI to stimulate that. Uh, and maybe we're just not getting involved enough in society anymore. Chat GDP and education is going to be a big challenge. But is it just the next natural extension to Googling, voice activated Googling, collecting the information, forming it through to deliver it in a slightly more accessible way? Will this allow even more accessible opportunities for students who may struggle with that? As a dyslexic myself, I have used it to actually clarify what a particularly an academic paper is trying to tell me because it's very inaccessible. The challenges that go with that is the purpose of education goes right down to fundamentals. If ChatGDP can pass an MBA exam, is that exam fit for purpose? What is the purpose of education? It goes right back to that fundamentals. Moving forward, I don't think it's going to go away. I think the technology jack-in-the-box is well out of the box now, and accessibility to all of these resources is already there. The challenge is, as always, is how do we absorb, change, or completely ignore, which is a really common factor in education, what these gifts are. And it brings it back to the fundamentals of what is education purpose? Is it to pass exams? Is it to make things learning a bit more accessible? Answers on a postcard or a very long thesis, I think. So that's the end of this two-part special on ChatGPT. What happened when I asked ChatGPT to randomly add the word sausage to my intro? This happened. We're going to delve into a topic that is rapidly gaining popularity in the EdTech world, ChatGPT, and its potential impact on the education system is just like a juicy sausage, bursting with flavour and excitement. That's disappointing. See you next time.